You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. Belly up to the bar and let's chat with Sage Rosenfels as we do every Tuesday. I'm a former NFL scout. He's a former NFL quarterback. And every Tuesday we get together and we chat quarterbacks and Vikings and all things football. Sage, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Good morning. Happy vote day. Yes, absolutely. Um, Last night's game, I just wanted to recap it a little bit that... I thought both those defenses showed up well. I think there's some promising things on both ends. It looks to me like the Cowboys are probably a step or two or three behind where they need to be, but I thought Amari Cooper showed up and is promising. Um, I still think there's some questions with that team, but I wanted to focus a little bit more on the Titans. And I've been really struggling in the AFC to find what I think is going to be that sixth playoff team. You know, with Houston probably win the South, I think the Chargers and Chiefs go. I think the Steelers win the North, and I'm pretty darn sure the Patriots are going to win the East. So I looked at the Titans and think, this is a good defense. Mariota, I know, has been injured for much of the year, and he's coming off the bye. I liked how he threw the football for maybe the first time this year. And I think they're that sixth team. Yeah, they could very well be in there. It's, it's interesting as we talk about the AFC South here. Uh, we're not talking about Jacksonville at all. They're not even part no. of the conversation. But that's that's a whole other podcast. Uh, you know, obviously the the Titans are they're in the mix. And and uh, yeah, I, I, it seems like to me the Titans sort of go as Marcus Mariota goes. You know, if he's playing well, they're going to have a chance to win, or they would be winning football games. If he's off, uh, whether he's inaccurate or he's injured, he can't. Uh, you know, he can't uh, gain many yards with his feet or whatever. He, you know, the, the Titans just aren't as good. You know, I think they're fairly consistent on defense. Uh, their defense did a pretty good job in this game of bending some but not breaking uh, and, and not giving up very many points. Obviously, only two touchdowns in, the, in, the, in this football game. So uh, this uh, Mario is a good quarterback. He doesn't have a huge arm. He's usually pretty accurate. Um, uh, he did miss a touchdown pass last night. Could have had another one. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, th- this Titans team sort of, does, and like most NFL teams, but this Titans team does seem to sort of go, uh, in, in however Mariota plays. Yeah, I think you're hundred percent right. And, um, they could really use another weapon. Like I've been watching them this year and thinking, boy, if Delaney Walker was healthy, it'd been so much better for Mariota's development or a, a receiver besides Corey Davis on the outside. And, I do feel like I make excuses for Mariota because I'm a believer. I pretty much are like bought stock in him every step of the way, you know, that I think he's going to be a really good player. And I have some more reservations about that now than I did. But um, this was a step in the right direction. I do think at times he's a little robotic, though. You know, I mean, I know he's fast and he's a good athlete, but I think he's sometimes I look at him and think, boy, he thinks too much. Yeah, he doesn't seem very fluid, right. I think, is Good what you're trying to say, yeah. right? And and I, I've been trying to sort of study these quarterbacks, and, you know, Brady seems so fluid. He'll move, but he still sort of seems calm and and almost in slow motion in, in some ways. And, and Aaron Rodgers, you know, the way he moves around the pocket, he's not uh, – uh, doesn't look like he's hyper, you know. Uh, and Mariota sort of has that quick feet 
uh, you know, a little more hyper uh, footwork and, and the way he holds the football and, and things like that, you know, in and around the pocket. So, uh, what, you know, what you said about Corey Davis, this is one of my issues with, with Mariota. It's not his fault. He doesn't have a ton of weapons. And, you know, most NFL teams, when you draft a quarterback high, draft a quarterback, that's going to be your guy going forward. Uh, you then draft other players and sign other players uh, to be weapons for him. You know, Matt Ryan did it immediately. They did it with Julio Jones. Uh, you see it all around the league. Uh, they have really not done a great job. I, I don't think they haven't, they haven't done a great job with that with, with Mariota so much. They've got some guys there, but uh, they just don't have the weapons of, you know, Kansas City uh, and some of these other teams. You know, no one's extremely fast or, or a big-time playmaker. Uh, they've got some good players over there, but, you know, nobody that really makes Mariota better. Right, right. I mean, I, I, it's not fair to Mahomes or somebody like that or Goff, but... Imagine if if you flipped one of the the, you know, the the situations there, and he hasn't played as well as those guys even in a vacuum. But he does need that needs to be off season priority number one is get a burner or a tight end that's you know a, a real factor to go along with the what Laney Walker coming back. And I think that team could take some strides. It could, and and I the thing is I actually and he hasn't had a great year so far in his first year as the offensive coordinator. But Matt Lafleur is a guy I really like. I, yeah, I played too. for him. He was a young guy. You know, he comes from that McVay and and Shanahan system. Uh, so I really thought you know you know Mariota going into that system uh, he'll do well, and uh, you know and that has not really happened you know so far this year on a consistent basis. And and like, again, I don't know if I don't know how much heat is on Lafleur down there and in Tennessee, but, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to be, he's a good young offensive coordinator who has a bright future. And I hope as this second half progresses here, uh, that he and Mariota really heated up. Yeah. I think this team can be a team that gets to the playoffs. I'm not sure how much damage, uh, mm-hmm. they can do in the playoffs, especially being that I don't see them weighing their division. I like Houston winning that division, uh, which means there'll be a away game in the first round an away game in the second round. So, uh, I think they're a playoff caliber team. That's going to be right there on the edge. Yeah, and I expect the the second half of the season to go better for the team in general, and but specifically Mariota than the first half of the season. And we are talking about you know a rookie situation here with the head coach and right and the, you know the coordinator. I mean the the fact that they're you know they're playing well and they're in the hunt and they have a winning record. You know that's a good sign. Yeah, and. I also want to take this opportunity to tell people about Blue Chew. I've mentioned them before, and I kind of look at it like I'm the GM of a team. Like If I'm the GM of the Titans, and I got one thing wrong that's bugging me, that I need to address it. You know, you got to go get that receiver. You know, get that young tight end. So if you're having issues in the bedroom, address it. Go to BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that it works. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. To be very honest, I never quite understood the pill. You take a pill and then you're like, hey, hon, I'll meet you in the bedroom in an hour or something. I don't quite understand that. BlueChew makes a lot more sense to me. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Go to BlueChew.com 
and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Locked On. All you do is pay five bucks shipping. So you know you got to cover the shipping cost. It's five bucks. It's like nothing, and you get your first order for free, which is amazing. Again, that's BlueChew B L U E C H E U dot com promo code Locked On to try it for free. Got to do that. All right, Sage. I know you are tight with the Vikes. And we all watched Saints-Rams and looked at that and said, wow, these might be the best two teams in the league, best two teams in the NFC, probably going to meet again. But I think things are trending upward for Minnesota as well. You know, Dalvin Cook, I didn't think they'd play him this week, you know, with a bye coming, but he looked fast, he looked explosive. I think Cousins is acclimated well there. Griffin's back on the field. Their pass rush was lethal. I loved the Neil Hunter. I think people aren't thinking about the Vikes in the right light anymore. They're a contender, man. I think they are. I think they are just a step below the Saints and the Rams and the NFC. I do think they're going to be there in the playoffs, and and they've got a very good football team. Uh, I think that, you know, the bye is coming for them at an absolutely perfect time. As you said, Uh, you know, Dalvin Cook had been out for a couple weeks. He was back. He rips off uh, uh, about a 70 yard run. I think it was the fastest an NFL player has run this year. I heard that too. Uh, yeah. 22.07 miles an hour or something like that. You, you see his potential, uh, you know, as a, he's, he's a guy who hits the hole. He's not a dancer. He's not a guy like Kareem Hunt. That's got great lateral movement. He's a guy that runs up the middle, runs outside and then tries to capture that edge and hits it North and South. And when it hits it right, uh, he is out, out of there. So, you saw that run. You saw that potential that the Vikings have been sort of missing, the big play potential they've been missing for the last you know, couple of weeks or whatever. Uh, they had a really tough schedule to start the season. I mean, really, really tough. And they sort of got through that, uh, and they're getting healthier. You know, Stephon Diggs was out that game. So, again, you know, the, the, uh, the bye week uh, could not have come at a healthier time. Ha- also, having, excuse me, also having Everson Griffith back, uh, Everson Griffin back, uh, is a huge help. They had 10 sacks in this game. All right? <laughs> Daniel Hunter on the other side had three and a half. Uh, but when you only have one really good defensive end, uh, you know, teams can help out with a tight end, with a running back, with a guard helping out the tackle. But when you got two on both sides, you sort of got to pick your poison. Uh, they also got this kid, Weatherly, uh, who is a seventh rounder, who was a great sort of, you know, third swing defensive end who's, uh, been creating a lot of havoc as well for other opposing offenses. So, you know, this uh, this Vikings team is starting to play really good football and, and you know, hopefully peaking here uh, just at the right time here in the second half of the season. Yeah, and of course, teams have no influence on when their bye is. And I'm sure when it's a late bye like this, the first portion of the season feels like a grind and boy, be I get through it. But man, when you get this late bye and some of these guys get healthy and you come back with digs and, you know, more time concentrating on the line those last two two weeks and practice. And I just think that the kind of like we talked about with the Titans, this second half of the season for Minnesota might be glaringly better than the first half. Yes. And I, and I think uh, let's, you know, the, the, this is the Vikings bye week, but it is nice that earlier in, earlier in the year when they had that Thursday night game fairly early versus the Rams, you sort of get a mini buy after that, which is nice. Yeah, you know, right. So if you can, if you don't do that, you know, basically, and you know, within a couple of weeks of each other, that's nice. And they had about a, a five week, uh, you know, five six week, you know, separation on that, right? So they almost get two two buys at sort of just the right time, and 
and they'll have a chance to make a run here. So they're a good football team. Uh, I think they're going to be the class of the NFC North. I just watched the Bears game. They killed the Bills, but I think that's that doesn't really say all, all that much. Peterman had like nine, 92 turnovers, I think, in that, that game or <laughs> right. something. So His turnover percentage is insane. <laughs> 11, I, I, 11 interceptions and 95 throws. And I think for his career, it's like one out of 10 throws gets intercepted. It's less than that. It's, it's, it's less than one out of nine. Wow. Oh, my Lord. It's, it's like one out of 8.7 or something like that. It's I mean, absolutely. He's a pit uh, guy. I root for him, but he may need them to get on with his life's work. I, I think that's going to be the deal. You know, sometimes <laughs> the uh, he has like the scarlet letter, but it's an I as an I interception <laughs> rather than A. But, and and it seems like sixes. one heck of a guy. Nothing against him. Right. You know, but he just seems to throw the ball to the other team too much, which really sucks because he's a young guy. And it's like one of those situations you wonder, you know, let, let, let's just say he wouldn't have played for, you know, three or four years and was just a backup or a third string guy. And then over time sort of got his opportunity later on down the line. And, and he was a better quarterback. You're going to become a better quarterback over the years uh, as you just practice and practice and practice and understand the game better and understand defenses better. But he was sort of thrown into it his rookie year, failed miserably. Now he's been thrown into his second year, failing miserably. So, uh, that that's one of those situations where possibly a long career could have occurred if he didn't play right away. Uh, that's what happened in my career. But since he did play right away, all those weaknesses got exposed. Yeah, I didn't plan on talking about him. He just came up and I had to jump <laughs> in. But you're kind of right. Like, I do feel for him because people look at him like he's this 12th-year journeyman quarterback that just doesn't have enough tools to be a starter. But he didn't get any of that. You know, he just, like you said, I mean, he's in his second season. And so he has everything going against him. I mean, it's a rough situation. And, and they don't have, other than LaShawn McCoy, they don't really have you know, great weapons up in Buffalo either. Amazing. Buffalo Bills were a playoff team last year with Amazing. Tyrod Taylor, the quarterback, and now they're you know, you know, know, probably one of the bottom five worst teams in the league. Yeah, Football Outsiders, they do their DVOA rankings, which I'm a believer in. I like how they do that. Um, they said this Bills offense is on pace to be the worst offense they've ever graded. And they've been around like 20 years. I mean, it's... Yet the cool. three quarterbacks are ranked as the three worst quarterbacks in the NFL. I think they're QB ratings. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's not all their fault either. The, the blocking's terrible. Their receivers are awful. At least they have a lot of cap space this offseason. And who had, who had the idea of when you're going to you know, draft a first-round quarterback to not have any real veteran on the roster at the beginning of the year? I mean, right. they're just... You're just asking for a disaster. And, you know, they, they did have uh, A.J. McCarron. Not that he was some veteran who's played a ton, but they had, they had at least something. And they got rid of him and, and kept, uh, kept Peterman. Right. Uh, really, really bad mistakes there. Really bad mistakes. Um, let's take a quick break, and then I have two more topics I want to touch on here with Sage. We'll be right back here in a minute. All right, Sage, an article just came out that I wrote last night for ClaytonFootball.com about the Ravens. They, too, are on a bye. Um, we talked about the Vikings going into their bye week. Ravens are really struggling. And just looking at their offense, I don't see a fix. Like, my assignment was, what can the Ravens do to fix their offense during the bye week? And I looked at it and thought, they don't do anything well. And Flacco, to me... Is to blame, but the run blocking is not great. They throw deep a lot, and I don't really understand why they complete very few of them. His yards per attempt, his yards per completion are just falling down the hole. 
Um, you and I have talked about this whole use of Lamar Jackson. And I guess it came out yesterday that they said they're going to give him more snaps. But if you're going to do that with Jackson, can you please do it without Flacco on the field? Can you just line Jackson up as a quarterback with 10 football players and run an offense? Yeah, this is looking like one of those teams where there's going to be some offseason decisions made. I'm not sure if the head coach, uh, the quarterback, quarterbacks, you know, what are they going to do here? And and as they start to falter at four and five, and, and at some point if they're, let's just say, out of the playoff run completely, uh, you might see a heck of a lot more Lamar Jackson. So they, you know, either just get them experience or sort of know who they're working with. Uh, one of the biggest issues with the Ravens is they don't run the football well at all. They're 27th wow. in the league in rushing, only about 92 yards a game. You know, that's a big issue, you know, for this football team. You know, Flacco's not a guy who can carry team on his back. All right. He can, he's a guy who, if you have a good rushing attack, <laughs> he's got such a strong arm. Uh, he likes to throw the ball deep down the field. You do the play action, you suck everybody up, and you take some shots. Well, they don't run the football very well at all, and uh, that's not really helping out Flacco. He's not a guy who can you want to go empty with all game and sort of put the ball in his hands and say, hey, go execute and go make a lot of plays and you know, sort of be the guy. He just isn't there. He's too slow, uh, too methodical, and he's not a, a guy that really you know, makes this offense better. He can be a very good part of the offense, he can't be the entire offense, and when you don't run the football, too much is put on the quarterback. Yeah, and it's easy to blame Flacco, and don't get me wrong, he deserves his share of the blame, but I blame the front office a lot. I mean, you look at the pass-off seasons, and you have to... Mike Lombardi has a saying that I love, that quarterbacks are like baseball stadiums, that if you have a short right-field porch, well, you better get left-handed power hitters. You know, if you when I was a kid... The Cardinals had this huge AstroTurf field, so they got Vince Coleman and McGee and all these fast dudes. Well, if Vince, if Flacco's your quarterback, you have to build a running game, like you said. And it's more than a back, but they've passed on an awful lot of good backs that have come in the league the last couple of years, as well as not addressing the offensive line enough. Like, to me, that had to be priority number one, two or three years ago, not next year. Like, you've got to build a running game to have any chance. Yeah, you have to sort of know what you're dealing with. That's the, you know, that's the job of a head coach. That's the job of an offensive coordinator. It's, you know, what type of – it's not what type of offense do I want to run. It's what type of offense can I run or what, what type yeah. of offense is most effective with the players that I have. Uh, and I believe with the players they have, it would, they need to find a way – they needed to find a way to have a – a better running game and you know Alex Collins and Javoris Allen just are those guys are not the answer uh, for a high-powered running game and throwing Lamar Jackson in there every once in a while he's got 28 carries on the year uh, putting him in, him in there is trying to be the, like spark in the running game you know that's not really the answer either you know you need to get a, a real legit tailback uh, you can't in hang there your hat on that yeah you have the big time running game and the guy you can just say hey we're gonna hand the ball off to uh, you know with what Minnesota does with Latavius Murray and and uh, and Dalvin Cook, and uh, now this kid Mike Boone, who's a good young player. They got three just good quality backs uh, in that backfield, and uh, in, and they're run, starting to run the football a little bit better. So uh, they need a, they need a sort of an elite back if if Joe Flacco is going to be their quarterback. Right, and I don't think he will be next year. But still, I mean, this is poor planning going into this season. Um, I don't know if everyone knows this, but an NFL rule is during the bye week. There's a four day stretch 
where no one's allowed the facility, like which I think is good. They just get away. Um, everybody has to do it. But would you think with the extra practice time, those four days aside, it's Lamar Jackson time like crazy in practice at least? Oh, yes. I yeah, would okay. I would say, you know, hey, Joe, if you don't want to practice or even have Joe almost not practice or, mm-hmm. or barely practice and just sort of sit out, Lamar Jackson needs as many reps as possible. And, and you know, the, the bye week does a lot of things. It's a time to rest up. It's a time to... Uh, review what you've done so far in the first nine games. It's, it's a time to get a little extra game planning uh, for your upcoming opponent. But the, I think the most important thing, it's a time for backups and third string guys and, and young guys to get a ton of reps running the team's offense and defensive schemes. And they just don't get those reps. You know, you run the scout team. You know, it's been nine, ten weeks since a lot of these guys have been running the actual Ravens offense. They've been running the scout team the entire time this is their chance uh, to go and actually uh, you know run the team's offense show what they can do see how much Lamar Jackson maybe has improved uh, in the last two months by just running these sort of more traditional uh, offense of the Baltimore Ravens yeah the analogy I use is like when I was at Pitt and obviously you played college football that if you go to a bowl game you get all that time from the end of the season to the bowl game to practice I mean that's really the best gift of going to a bowl game from a football perspective especially if it's a mid-level bowl or whatever, because all that time we used it on the freshmen, the redshirt kids, you know, like really is an added bonus to prepare for next year and get the young guys going. Yeah, my, my college coach used to say that, you know, go to a bowl game, it's like having an extra spring ball. Yeah. Uh, in particular for the young guys and, and you know, all that practice time and development time is huge for them. Obviously in a bye week you only get – you know, two, three practices maybe, but, uh, you know, those are very valuable and every rep is valuable for these young, young players. And they're very, really valuable sort of, re, you know, running the offense, even just listen, when you're the second or third quarterback, you're not in like the starters huddle very often and breaking the huddle and going to the checks and going, going through that, all that stuff. And he, he hasn't really probably done it since, you know, since training camp, uh, you know, I said nine, 10 weeks ago. And half those dudes are cut. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, right. You know, exactly. the same people. Um, the last thing I got for you, Sage, is we saw Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady, and everyone was watching. You know, fun game, obviously. Personally, I look at both those teams and think that they might be both a little bit overrated, but that's a, a different story for a different time. What I wanted to ask you is one trait. I mean, if you could have one trait as a quarterback to steal from Rodgers and Brady, what would it be? What What's the thing that they that just your jaw drops when you watch those guys. And maybe it's something more subtle than people realize or, and it obviously they do a lot of things well, but if you could steal one thing from each, what would it be? For me, it would have been accuracy. I wish I could have been as accurate as those guys. As both I mean, of them. You, okay. Yeah. I remember when Jason Garrett was my quarterback's coach, uh, in 2005 in Miami, uh, he used to talk about watch watch when Brady plays, and again, this is 2005, so a long time ago, Brady. But things have not changed. Watch how many balls that he throws hits guys right in the chest. You know, you put a ball and right in the guy's chest, they don't drop a lot of those. You put it, you know, six inches above their helmet, they drop some of those. They mm-hmm. go through their hands sometimes, uh, and sometimes those end up being intercepted. You put them down by their knees. You know, they they take they they take their eyes off the ball uh, because they're worried about getting hit. You put it right in their chest, almost like don't let them drop the ball on you. And you watch Rodgers and you watch Brady uh, and what they do with their accuracy. 
they rarely it's not it's not about missing guys they put it right on guys uh, a, a lot and, and you know right on their chest right on their face mask right where you need it to be that accuracy is something that i never had that i wish i could have had it's interesting because when i was very new to this and it was my time at pit i was the recruiting assistant so i watched all the tape and it was vhs tape back then and i would for the guys that you know were worthy to look at I would cut him up. So all the quarterbacks had to go through Walt Harris, who was our head coach. And he was also the quarterback coach. He was a quarterback coach in the NFL before that. So I, for, I remember 